I'm Satya Nelms and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. Today we are in the garden with Anna Malaika Tubbs. Anna is the author of the critically acclaimed book, The Three Mothers, How the Mothers of MLK Jr., Malcolm X, and James Baldwin Shaped a Nation. She is also a Cambridge PhD candidate in sociology and a Bill and Melinda Gates Cambridge Scholar. After graduating Phi Beta Kappa from Stanford University with a BA in Anthropology, Anna received a master's from the University of Cambridge in Multidisciplinary Gender Studies. Outside of the academy, she is an educator and DEI consultant. She lives with her husband, Michael Tubbs, and their son, Michael Malachi. When you hear the word mother, what does it conjure for you? What does that word bring to mind? So many different things, but I would say mother makes me think of love, protection, sacrifice, um, leadership, teaching, nourishing, power, influence. It is so many different things. And it's not only a biological relationship, but the ways in which people take on the roles of caretaking and putting others' needs um, at the same level as their own Mm -hmm. and thinking of the collective. Mm. I really love that you just said putting others' needs on the same level as their own. I feel like very often, you know, we hear this idea that, you know, mothers, Black mothers in particular, that they put the needs of others before their own. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just really love that you framed it in that way of putting others on the same level. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important because when mothers are thanked for putting everybody's needs above their own, it becomes really difficult for us to be good mothers, to be honest. It's that, you know, saying of how you give to others when your glass is empty, And I really hope more moms, we can start to feel okay with saying my needs also matter, not only for my own joy and happiness, but because I can be better for everybody who I'm supporting when I also acknowledge that for myself. Right, right. Um, So who, what mothers come to mind or what mother comes to mind when you hear that word? Who are the mothers or mother in your life? Well, definitely for sure, because my whole year has been spent talking about these three incredible moms <laughs> who I write about. Right. I like I don't spend a day without thinking about them, which is such a blessing. But Alberta King, Bertus Baldwin, and Louise Little, of course, have mm-hmm. formed my path and my journey in, in so many ways. And anytime I get to talk about them, it feels like I walk away with some new gem mm-hmm. um, that they're still teaching me. And then, of course, my own mother uh, and just the power that she has in my own life and the way that learning from her has guided my journey. Um, she's not a perfect person by any means, but just the ability to, to learn from her is also a blessing. And I have my aunties, of course, and um, I have my mother-in-law and my auntie-in-law and grandmother-in-law. So there's so many women in my life who 
I can recognize there are different ways of mothering, mm-hmm. um, as well as the ways in which they're similar in their love and caring for, for the people that they, they protect in this world. So what is, when you think of, when you try to conjure up or pull up a memory of being mothered, what's Mm. something that comes right to the forefront? Oh, that is such a great question. Mm. Hmm. One of the things I've been thinking about recently, which kind of might seem kind of random, but (laughs) I'm going to see my aunt soon, one of my favorite aunts, or my very favorite aunt. And she has always just been the person who has asked me what I needed and like what support I needed. Um, It Mm -hmm. often seems for me because I'm somebody who likes taking care of things to other people and I like organizing things and, you know, I'm kind of a perfectionist, et cetera, that a lot of times people sort of forget that I also require support or I also require reminders to just be able to ask for help. And Mm -hmm. she's always been that kind of person who will call me, right when I need her to and I don't even know how she does it Mm. but just a very simple question of are you okay do you need anything from me and because I feel like that happens so rarely and I think especially for so many black moms we are you know others believe like we said earlier that our needs are not as important Mm -hmm. it is so wonderful to have that presence in my life right yeah that's I mean it's amazing to have someone especially someone who is a mother figure to look out for you in that way and to offer support for you in that way. Um, So speaking of what you need, um, thinking about what you needed as you were growing up, what were the ways where you felt like you got what you needed? And then what were the things that you felt like you needed that maybe you didn't get? Mm. One of the things I think is really crucial for all young women, but especially young black women, is that we need to have people in our corner and in our lives who are continuously reminding us of our worth and who are treating us with the dignity and the respect that we deserve to be treated with, because there are so many forces that will deny that to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom, my dad, both always reminded me of not only the ability that I had and the the agency that I had over my own life, Mm -hmm. uh, but also the ways in which they were going to support my dreams and my talents and my passions. Um, And they very much acknowledged these, like I said, outside forces that were going to try to make me feel differently Mm -hmm. about my worth. Uh, And they just made those clear and also said, but those are not the things that define you. Instead, you know, you, you do have power and control over your life and, we will be right beside you and supporting you and doing that. And even in the smallest ways, it was always an encouragement of my curiosity and my questioning and uh, my opinions. I've always been very opinionated and they never <laughs> side away from that, even when I'm sure it was probably pretty annoying when I was younger. Um, so that was something that I always received from them, that kind of unconditional support and confidence in my abilities. So I, I just always felt like I could do whatever I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in terms of things that I, I felt like I did not receive, you know, I've, I, in so many ways, I'm such an optimist and also just have lived such a blessed, privileged life. It's hard for me to think of what I did not have because mm-hmm. I just really feel like I was given an abundance of, of so many things. Um, hmm. 
or maybe if not what you did not get, but what was challenging for you about the way that you were mothered? Yeah, I would say one thing is that I I think my mom is so wonderful in, in, in most ways, uh, but she also, I think at times, lacked her own introspection, like her own ability to say, like, this is something I need to improve on personally. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that goes sort of, back to like the last answer where it was, you know, this utmost confidence, like you can do whatever you want and you can move forward and, you know, you don't have to deal with anybody who's telling you differently. But at the same time, I think it it allowed her at times to kind of blow past some reflections that could have helped her Mm. (laughs) in her own life. And so I think for me, it took me a while to realize, actually, I can also be introspective and reflect on things that I actually can improve on. Um, I'm not perfect, even though, yes, I can accomplish whatever I want to accomplish. And if I set my mind to it, et cetera. But at the same time, it's also okay to acknowledge when we have faults Mm -hmm. or things that we need to improve on. And it took me a while to really see that because she, I realized, was just somebody that didn't do that even for herself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's been more of an adult journey for me is is the the power of introspection Mm. so thinking about your book um what drew you to write you know to write a book about these three mothers what was it that made you you know pour so much you know into sharing the story of these three mothers so many different factors go into, you know, any of our accomplishments, any big kind of feat or project that we complete, uh, you know, whether that's our parents or where we were born, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think definitely the fact that my mom was and is a lawyer who advocates for women's and children's rights around the world, as well as in the U.S., she was always speaking about the importance of valuing mothers and valuing motherhood. So it's something that I really grew up hearing quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I started my PhD, fast forward several years to that, I was inspired by Margot Lee Shetterly's book, Hidden Figures, Mm -hmm. um, and that went on to become this film, Mm -hmm. this wonderful film, and inspired in ways that were also sometimes, you know, it felt painful, that kind of inspiration, because it was frustrating to me that it was the first time I'd been exposed to these incredible women's stories. And Mm -hmm. so, I knew I wanted to be somebody who also found other hidden figures mm-hmm. and who changed the way we were thinking not only about history, but about where we were as a nation today by understanding people's stories and narratives that we should have kind of known all along. Mm-hmm. And that left this kind of wide landscape open um, because I just knew I wanted to talk about the erasure of black women Mm -hmm. and so many of our stories are forgotten so many of them are erased and so I kind of narrowed it down my process of elimination I started to think of all the layers of erasure I could address address with one project so one of those was thinking about the civil rights movement and how we so often speak about it from a male perspective Mm -hmm. and so I knew that you know, more people would probably be interested in the project if it included the names Malcolm X, MLK Jr., you know, James Baldwin, um, Mm -hmm. but that I could still say this is a woman's story, this is a mother's story, and it always will be, no matter who we start with at the beginning. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was one of my strategies there was saying, you know, even if you think you're celebrating these male hero stories, 
you're also carrying a mother's story with them. Mm. And then I also wanted to address um, the erasure of the role of motherhood and how little it is appreciated, how little it is recognized um, when it really holds um, the power to transform communities. It is critical for Mm -hmm. our societies, uh, but nobody... Uh, really celebrates it in the way that it should be celebrated, in my opinion, and kind of stemming from the lessons that my mom taught me as well in her own work. So mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be Mothers of Civil Rights Heroes. Um, I was deciding that I was going to focus on these three men. And then the third thing was that Alberta King, Bertis Baldwin, and Louise Little were all born within six years of each other. Mm-hmm. And their famous sons were born within five years of each other. And when I found that very basic fact, I thought that is incredible. I get to talk about now these three nuanced different mm-hmm. stories um, while bringing them together through, through chronology, through a timeline, rather than like forcing, you know, some kind of fabricated relationship between the three of them, mm-hmm. but instead can still celebrate how different they were from each other mm-hmm. and tell a really nuanced story about Black womanhood, mm-hmm. uh, while also saying this is how we can kind of track their lives based off of what's happening in world history and very specifically American history. Mm. So what are some of the lessons that you learned from these three mothers and from your own mother that stick with you? From the three mothers, and I think they're going to continue to teach me uh, throughout my life. My son is only 19 months, so um, I'm new to motherhood. I have another baby on the way in August. Well, on the way for the rest of the world, baby's right here with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I am learning so much about my motherhood journey through writing this book while I was expecting my son Mm -hmm. and now on the book tour while I'm expecting my second born. Mm-hmm. I see motherhood as such, you know, like with I, like I've said, that influence, that power, but also they've taught me the importance of vulnerability in motherhood. Mm-hmm. And there are examples in the book where each of the three women speak about feeling sad or feeling worried or, you know, sometimes feeling anxious. They're not just these perfect robots that always have it together or always have these plastered smiles on their faces, but instead they take these opportunities to speak with their children about really the realities of the human condition and what's happening, not only for them personally, but what's happening in in the country and how that affects them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that that balance of being, yes, strong for your children, um, while also having moments, and I'm not saying sharing all your emotions with your kids uh, is necessary or healthy, but Mm -hmm. at times it can be really helpful for them to see these parts of you that recognize your own humanity. Right. And that's something that I definitely learned from the three of them and the importance of being able to say, I also am a human. And Mm -hmm. this is how something makes me feel um, because I don't think it does any favors to our kids and they don't really understand that about us. Mm -hmm. That's one lesson that stands out to me. Um, And then from my own mom, very much the notion of that confidence that I was speaking about um, and just not letting anybody rob that from you, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how hard they try. And she experienced that even though she is not a black woman, she's a white woman and had mm-hmm. different privileges, of course, um, than I did. She also experienced what it was like for people to tell her, no, women mm-hmm. shouldn't become lawyers and said they should become wives and moms only. Mm-hmm. And she really felt 
not only convicted by that, but she also said, I'm going to do something to change people's minds. And I can mm-hmm. do that through my own career. And I will uh, pursue this even if I don't have the support of my parents to do so. Um, mm-hmm. And really forged her own path, which is something that I have always looked up to. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, I mean, you've done so much work with, you know, mothering and what that looks like within the black community, you know, with your book, what do you think is different about mothering black children in particular in this country than mothering in, you know, white children or mothering in general? What, what, what kind, what things are specific to mothering black children? There are huge differences. And um, as much as, you know, you know, people might say, how, how different could it be? Like, whatever, I we, we don't want these differences. It sucks mm-hmm. that we have to deal with these differences sometimes. But one of the major ones is the constant worry of something happening to our children. And it's something that I think mothers experience universally you know you've Mm -hmm. never loved anything as much as you love your child Mm -hmm. which means that you've also never been as worried as you are about Mm -hmm. losing something and the possibility of losing this being but for black mothers these you know thoughts and worries are not imaginations it's not that we're being unrealistic it's that we're thinking through all the many ways in which our kids are facing attacks or discrimination um, Mm -hmm. when they're outside of our arms or outside of our homes. Mm -hmm. And so that's a very unique uh, issue for Black mothers to deal with. And even before our children are born for pregnant Black moms and the Mm -hmm. dangers that are associated with that um, and the biases and systems that continue to put us in harm, Mm -hmm. all of that is a unique uh, challenge that Black mothers are facing. At the same time, I think there's something so beautiful about the ways in which black moms have a very clear focus on the future because we're not willing to accept the circumstances it is right now and this Mm -hmm. is why so Mm -hmm. much freedom work and organizing has been inspired by black mothers and Mm -hmm. um it's just this vision of what's possible and the Mm -hmm. potential for the world and Mm -hmm. With that, we're just constantly creating new futures and really passing on this transformative, liberatory knowledge, not only through our bodies, but through our teachings. Um, and I think that is also unique and powerful and, again, deserves a lot more recognition uh, because it's really advanced so many causes forward in our country. If we can go back and look at it, many of these leaders were Black moms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, as you speak about that, I think about what that takes energetically, you know, to be able to raise black children, to be able to show up in the community the way that black mothers do. And wondering in your research of these three mothers, um, you know, did you see any examples of how they cared for themselves, of how they poured back into their own cup? And then for yourself, how do you pour into yourself? Yeah, I feel like a part of the revolutionary act of Black mothering is also an acknowledgement that we are part of something much larger. And it's not 
only like one individual who's leading movements or fighting for freedom. And in that acknowledgement, not only are we kind of giving up this narcissistic nature of thinking like everything falls on my shoulders, Mm -hmm. um, but also we're saying we have room to live, to Mm -hmm. be joyful, to be happy, Mm -hmm. to find love in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's a part of fighting back against our oppression because when that's taken from us and we are working ourselves to the bone and not also enjoying our motherhood, you know, enjoying our children and believing in their lives and the fact that we can survive and thrive, Mm -hmm. um, then we've lost the fight that we're, we're fighting day in and day out. So a big part of that fight is also resting Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we see it just in examples of them having their family meals or Louise little gardening with her kids to teach them about the power of self-sufficiency um, or Burtis talking to her children about their creativity and always saying, like, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a writer, I'll stand by you and here are ways in which your art can transform the world mm. um, rather than saying especially to her eldest son, James Baldwin, no, you can't be a writer. You need to do something that will provide Mm. money guaranteed for us or help me with you know my eight other children instead she still protects his ability to do something creative which goes on to be very successful but that wasn't guaranteed and she still believed in that for him um and so yeah i think all three of them very much understood that they also had to experience joy um despite the pain that they were and grief that they were subject to mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and it's something that i i think about all the time and whether that's for me you know like going to a yoga practice so that i feel restored and have my time to myself and my own thoughts or um just sitting with my son and my husband and we just get to watch our son learn and we see the world through his eyes it's just so fun um Mm, and having those moments of just relaxing and not thinking about work and really separating ourselves from that Mm -hmm. I think is crucial yeah yeah for sure um how you know and I think of that kind of care as self-mothering and yeah. I wonder how how did you learn to do that? How did you learn to take that time for yourself? Where did that come from? Hmm, that is such a good question. I think it's something I've always been cognizant of that if I don't take the time to sleep or if I don't take the time to even on a daily basis, I take a break. Like I'm either like while my son's napping, I either watch an episode of TV or I take a nap myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I make mm-hmm. sure I have lunch, all of these things. Because without that, I just get really thrown off. I can really personally, I've always been very in tune with my own body and my own feelings. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm aware that if I don't have those kinds of practices, it's not good for me. It's not good for people around me. I'm a pain to deal with. I'm upset. I'm angry. All of these things. <laughs> so I think it's really for me, a personal recognition of what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just being aware that there's something so strategic in making people feel like they can't take breaks mm-hmm. or that their time, you know, that other people, especially I'm noticing this with the book tour, with requests that people have of me. If I were to say no, people feel very possessive of my time. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that I'm just very luckily already have been cognizant of <laughs> for many years. <laughs> and then you just can't let that affect you. And you just have to say, okay, but like, I know what I am willing and not willing to do. Mm-hmm. I know what I can give and what I can't. And mm-hmm. 
I'm sorry if that upsets you, but I also need to live my life and be healthy. So mm. yeah, I just have, I don't know who I got it from. I don't know if it was like a personal thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure my mom always did that very well. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's something that I, I just always have valued. Gotcha. So what advice would you offer um, a black mother? What's something that you would tell her to keep in mind on her mothering journey? Something to keep in the a forefront of her mind, if not advice, then it, just a reminder. Yeah, a couple things. One is that the feelings that we have of sort of feeling unsupported or sometimes feeling alone, um, that they're not made up and we're not kind of crazy for, we're not imagining things. Like there are, there is a severe lack of support for mm-hmm. mothers, um, especially black mothers in the United States. And so that is not like an imagination. And I think for many moms, if they're told like, okay, you just need to get over that or you need to kind of move forward and find joy, then that's not very helpful because mm-hmm. it makes it seem like they're the ones that are pretending it's happening. But I will also say that it is part of the strategy to make us feel alone and make us feel like everything falls on our shoulders. So as much as possible, and something I've done in my motherhood journey thus far is finding other black mothers and black women who can see me, recognize me in the way I want to be seen and recognized and Mm -hmm. support each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that's, you know, saying to a girlfriend, if you need more time to get work done, this is when we have our nanny here and you could bring your child here to be with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And that vice versa, those were those, favors are returned or even saying let's all get together to just have a day at the park so I can talk to somebody else who's an adult right. <laughs> um, and just making sure we were okay with saying right now I'm not feeling supported I'm not feeling like I have you know whatever that like that conversation with the adult that I need or whatever but then saying where can I find that Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not making it up and it should be more readily available to me. I agree with all of those things, but what do I have some power over right now and control over, um, and seeking that because mm-hmm. most other moms feel the same way. And I've just become very like brave about like approaching other moms when I see them places and saying like, do you want to be friends? Yes. Let's exchange <laughs> um, so I've gotten really good at that. And so far I have not regretted a single one of these kind of awkward moments where I'm a stranger asking another mom if she wants to hang out. <laughs> and I think it's good. So hopefully more moms just feel more comfortable doing that. A lot of us are feeling like we need more people who just understand what we're going through um, and it can make all the difference. Yeah, you know, I I think, you know, what you're saying is so true. The need for community is something that I feel like is so important that mothers know. New mothers, mothers who have been mothers for a while and maybe don't realize. But, right. you know, community is such a huge part of motherhood. And I think Black motherhood in particular. You know, if we look at our the way that our communities were structured, you know, looking back on our ancestors, folks, yeah. folks weren't out here doing it alone. <laughs> we're not supposed to. And it's like not healthy, not only for that mom, but for that kid. You know, it's really helpful for kids to have other people around who 
they see and especially even for kids to see their moms in community with people like not only for the kid but for them to witness their moms and be in conversation with other people and experience joy and all of that is really beneficial yeah yeah for sure thank you for listening to this episode of our mother's gardens if you want to support the show you can make a sustaining donation on patreon by visiting our page our mother's gardens please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review you can also find us on instagram at our mother's gardens pc our mother's gardens is a honey bunch of stinkweed production the podcast features music produced by Pata.